beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, if I were to ask all of you who have been adopted to stand up, how many of us would stand up? Now, a number of us in the congregation have been adopted into a family. But when I ask those who have been adopted to stand up, we should all stand up if we are believers in the Lord Jesus. Because the Bible teaches us that all believers are adopted into God's family. What is adoption? Well, adoption is love. Adoption is love which comes into a place of brokenness and separation and pain. And adoption says, we love you. As we love each other, we love you. You belong. You are family. You are embraced. You are home. And adoption is a beautiful picture that the Bible uses to describe what God does to us. God is love. And God comes to broken, hurt sinners in a world of brokenness and separation and hurt and loneliness. Because that's what sin does. That's the world that sin has made. And in all that pain, God comes to us and he says, I set my love on you. I invite you into my family. You are loved, you are embraced, you belong. So the Bible says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. It's an incredible blessing that every believer can hold on to. I'm a child of God. So why are we talking about adoption this afternoon? Well, because we've gotten to the spot in the creed which mentions God's only begotten Son, that Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. And then the catechism asks a good question. Well, if Jesus is God's only begotten Son, what about us? I thought the Bible says that we are sons and daughters of God too. That word only begotten is a very unique Greek word in the Greek New Testament. Recent scholarship uh, prefers to translate it instead of only begotten, prefers to translate it as one and only or unique. Because that's who Christ is. The way that Jesus Christ is Son of God is different than the way that we are sons and daughters of God. Christ alone is the eternal and natural Son of God. God exists as a being totally other, totally different than any being that we know besides him. Because God exists as one God in three persons. And that kind of breaks our minds. We can't understand that. And that's okay, because God is too big for our minds. We will never understand him fully. But the Bible teaches us that he is God, Father, Son, and Spirit. And so in God, one God, one being, there are three persons. And so for all eternity, he has existed, and he does exist, in a deep and indescribable and infinite love. The Father loving the Son, the Son loving the Father in the Spirit. 
And that means that that's enough. God didn't create the world because he was bored. God didn't create human beings because he was lonely. God is supremely satisfied in himself. He didn't need anything, and he never needs anything. And yet, he still decided to make the universe. And he still decided to create human beings and to include them in his family and to include them in his love. The Bible calls Adam, the first man, the Bible calls Adam the son of God. So what's the difference then between Jesus as the only begotten son of God and and us as sons and daughters of God? Well, the difference is, is that Christ is begotten, not made. The the ancient creed says it this way. He is of one substance with the Father. It's like an earthly father has a natural son. That natural son will share the DNA of the Father. He's the same essence. If the Father is a human, then the Son is a human. And so it is with God. God the Father is spirit. He is God. And Jesus Christ, God the Son, is spirit. He is God. Humans are different. Humans are not begotten. They're not born from all eternity, like Jesus Christ, like the Son. They're made. God formed man from the dust of the earth with loving and intimate care. He breathed life into him. He formed the woman in a careful, intimate way as well. And he welcomed welcomed them into his family as his children. He set his love on them. He shared his love with them. They were created to to participate in the love of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They They were created to be part of God's family, to belong. And the the Garden of Eden was kind of a holy place where they enjoyed that loving fellowship and communion with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the whole idea was that this garden would grow and be developed until it filled the whole earth. And for all eternity, we would be just delighting in each other and in God and in his love. That was the idea. That was the the whole purpose. But what, what did we do? We said no. We rejected God's love. We turned our backs on the Father, and we chose sin instead. We thought that was a better deal. Now, sin, and we know that, right? We know that from the Bible, but we know that by bitter experience. Sin is like acid to relationships. Sin destroys. It destroyed our relationship with God, but it also destroyed our relationship with one another. You remember that right after the fall, Adam and Eve, who had been so happy together, suddenly were arguing. And the man was was speaking ill of his wife and the wife speaking ill of the husband. It destroyed their marriage. It destroyed the natural love between siblings. What What does Cain do to Abel? He kills him because he's angry and jealous. It destroyed the relationship between human beings and the animals made it an adversarial, kind of a conflict thing. And it destroyed the relationship of human beings with the created order. The world now becomes a place where when we work hard, things don't always go right. There are weeds, and there's rust, and there are problems, and things are broken. Things don't work properly in the creation. There are sicknesses and diseases. 
That's what we chose. But the worst thing about sin is that separation and that corroding of relationships leading to loneliness. That really hurts. That's the essence of hell, to be lonely, to be separate, to be rejected, to be apart, to be all by yourself. That's the opposite of what we were created to experience. You know, as we've been going through the last 10 months of the pandemic, I've often asked myself, why is this so distressing to us? Why is this so frustrating? Why is it weighing on us so much? I mean, many of us have parents or grandparents who went through World War II, and the bombs were falling, and there was, the food was rationed, and people were in the bomb shelters, and, and, and loved ones were dying on the battlefield, and, and people were oppressed by the Nazis. And here we are, and we have high-speed internet and comfortable homes and heating, central heating and comfortable vehicles, and we've got stores full of every kind of thing you could possibly need or want or imagine. We've got clothing and we've got beautiful buildings. Why, why is there so much anguish in this pandemic? And I think perhaps one of the greatest challenges for us is that the pandemic is hitting us exactly in that one spot, our relationships. We're, we're obliged by the pandemic to be separate from one another. We're obliged to, to uh, put down the natural tendency we have to, to be hospitable and to enjoy hospitality, to embrace loved ones, to be near to one another. We have to stay away. We have to be separate. Older people are dying by themselves in the long-term care homes. And that's the most painful thing about the pandemic. And what we've really experienced over these last months is we've tasted the splatters of the bitterness of hell. Separation from loved ones. That's what sin offers us. And to broken, hurting sinners that are experiencing this brokenness, God comes with the call of the gospel and he calls us back home. He says, I will set my love on you. I will fix and restore and heal what is broken. I will welcome you back into my family. That's the gospel. Now the word adoption in Greek literally means to place as a son or as a daughter, to, to place in a family. And the word appears five times. It's used five times in the, the New Testament. And we're just going to have a quick look at each one of those times right now. So we'll turn to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, first of all. Ephesians 1, 4 and 5. That's on page 
976 of your pew Bible, the Bible says this, even as he, God, chose us in him, that's Jesus Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. What do we, lo- what do we learn from this scripture? Well, we learn... That before the world existed, before there were any mountains or oceans or continents, before there were any planets or stars or galaxies, before the universe existed, God knew you. And God loved you. And God set his love upon you in Jesus Christ. Believer, You who believe in the Lord Jesus, you may know this, that God has always loved you and that he has always purposed for you to be part of his family. And what does that mean? Well, that means that nothing can change that. The decrees of God made in eternity are immutable. They cannot be changed. They will be accomplished. And so... We can come to God in all our brokenness. And we may sometimes feel, we may often feel, that we don't deserve to be received by God. We may say, Lord, you know my life. You know the the things I've done wrong. You you know the people that I've hurt. You know that I'm really not the right kind of candidate to be received as a child of God and to be called a Christian. The Bible tells us it's not about you, but it's about him. We can always come to the Lord Jesus Christ in repentance and faith. Because what does the Bible tell us? John 6, 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Never. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how undeserving you feel. He will never turn you away. That's what it means to belong to the family of God. What's the first time we, or the first verse I want to look at with the word adoption? And then we can turn to Romans chapter 9, verse 4. So in Romans 9, 4, the Apostle Paul speaking about the Old Testament church, the people of God in the Old Testament, the, 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 the nation of Israel. And this is on page 945 in your pew Bible. He says this, Romans 9:4, they are the Israelites and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. What do we learn from this scripture about adoption? Well, it's that God has been working Ever since the fall into sin, God has been working to bring us back home. And what does he do to the nation of Israel? He says, I adopt you. You are my sons and daughters. And you have promises. And what are the promises? The promises are that one day the Messiah will come who will fix everything, who will restore broken sinners and make them into children of the living God. That's the promise. Now, the Old Testament 
is a period of waiting. It's a period of looking forward to. It's a period of expectation. And there's beautiful scriptural descriptions in the Old Testament about how God sees his people as children. Hosea chapter 11 says this, Israel was a child, I loved him. It is I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them in my arms. So God describes his relationship with his people as a dad that teaches his little toddler how to walk and picks him up and carries him along. That's how God loves us. But that was all in promises and all in expectation until finally we get to the moment that is described for us in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. Galatians 4, 4. That's on page 974 in your pew Bible. And so, Galatians 4, 4 says this, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Here's the third time that we see the word in Scripture. So that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. What does this text tell us? tells us that God sent. God sent his son to redeem, to wash, to cleanse, to pay for sin so that we could receive adoption, so that we could come back home. Jesus didn't die to wash us from our sins so we can just turn around and go back into the world and sin again. No, he washed us so that we can come back to the Father. But he didn't just send his son. Did you notice there was a double sending in those verses we read? He sent his son, and he sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer, no longer a slave, but a son. Abba means, it's, a, it's an Aramaic word, and it means dear father. It's, it's a, some people think it means daddy. It doesn't mean that. That's a mistake. It, it, it's a very intimate, but also a very respectful way to address a father in Aramaic. Dear, beloved Father. And that's how we can address God. Because the very spirit of his son is in our hearts. We're not slaves to sin anymore. We are sons and daughters of the living God. We are loved. We are family. And we know that because Jesus came and died for sin. And because he sent his spirit to be in our hearts. God pours his spirit. He pours his love into our hearts, so that we can love God. And what happens when we love God? Well, we read John chapter 14, right? John 14, 23. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Sin is a separation between us and God. Sin corrodes the relationship. But the Holy Spirit applies the power of the shed blood of Jesus Christ and heals what was broken. And he brings us back into communion with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And they come and they make their home with us. 
That's what God does. Look at John chapter 14, verse 20, if you still have your Bible open to John 14. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. As we read through that chapter, you'll recognize that the Lord Jesus is using language to describe the intimate communion of the three persons of the Trinity. The Father is in the Son, and the Son is in the Father, and the Spirit. That's the language of Trinity. And the Lord Jesus takes that language and includes us. He says, I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. What does that mean? It means that we participate in the infinite, eternal love of God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. It means that the Father loves us as much as he loves his only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be adopted children of God. We're not second-class kids in the family. We're not second-rate. We don't get the leftovers. We belong fully. We enjoy all of the infinite and eternal love that God the Father has for God the Son. He has that same love for us. That's what the Bible promises us. And that's hard to wrap our heads around. How can God possibly love me that much? I'm not really worth loving that much. I'm a sinner. I'm a broken person. I do things wrong. I say things wrong. I hurt people. I make bad decisions. I've got so far to go yet in my growth and holiness. And God once again says, it's not about you, but it's about him. It's about what Jesus has done. You are out of grace, for Christ's sake, you are children of God by adoption. Well, it's, it's very beautiful. But we live in a world of sin. We live in a world of suffering. And we live in a world of brokenness. So if we're, if we're brought into the family of God and our sins are forgiven and, and we're loved by God as much as he loves Jesus himself, then why isn't my life better? Why do things still hurt? Why do things go wrong? Why do loved ones die? Why is there sickness and pain and brokenness still? And I guess the example I could give is of a, a war orphan, maybe in a bombed out city in some poor country on the other side of the globe, and, 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 and they're, they're, they're suffering, and they're, they're in a place of brokenness and hurt, and their family's all gone, and they're by themselves, and they're in great need, and then they are adopted by a family. They're loved. And the adoption papers come through, through the UN. Representatives, and let's all figure it out. And, and that, that war orphan who's in a place of suffering has that paper in his hands, in her hands. So the adoptions come through, but, but there still needs to be the journey out of that pain, out of that place of brokenness, into my new home where I will fully experience the joy of love and family, and restoration. And that's the situation we're in. We're still in the broken world. We have our adoption papers, 
Those of us who are baptized, we carry the family name. We have our Christian name. We carry on our forehead the name Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That means we belong to the family of God. We have the promise of the Holy Spirit. The covenant tells us, just believe in the gospel, and it's all yours. All of this glory is yours. We receive the spirit of adoption. Look at Romans chapter 8, 15, which is the the next time we have the word uh, adoption that I want to draw your attention to, Romans 8.15. And see what it says there, Romans 8.15, page 944. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are, we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. How did our older brother, Jesus, how did he get into glory? How did he get to sit on the throne of the universe? He went through the valley of the shadow of death. He went through the way of humiliation and suffering. He went through this broken world to the end. And only through the way of the cross did he come into eternal glory. And that's the way for us as well. We still have to travel in this broken world until the day comes when all the brokenness is taken away. But as we travel, we know who we are. We are not people that have the spirit of slavery. Sin no longer has dominion over us. God is our Father. We have the spirit of sonship, the spirit of adoption. We can call God dear, beloved Father. And we're waiting We're waiting for the day when we will be taken out of this broken, sin-broken world and we will be brought into our eternal home. That's something to hold on to, children of God. As we experience pain and bitterness and suffering, something to hold on to. Jesus is coming. God is coming to make all things right. And so we're looking forward to that. Looking forward to the day when heaven will come down to earth, when everything will be made new and there'll be no more sin and no more death and no more pain and he will wipe every tear from our eyes. We're looking forward to that, but not just us. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 19. Because the whole world is looking forward to that day. Look at eight nineteen of Romans. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. The whole universe can't wait to the day when we're finally home and we finally experience the fullness of what it means to be restored into the family of God. Because what we do has an effect on the universe, doesn't it? When we chose to turn our backs on God the Father, we chose sin, it broke the universe. All the pain, all the suffering, all the Things that don't work. The Bible says the creation is groaning. It's groaning and longing for the day when it will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Because when we made our choice to choose sin, we broke everything. But when that sin is totally undone and we're restored to the family of God, everything will be fixed. The universe is looking forward to that day. We're going to be home again. And we're looking forward to it too, aren't we? Look at Romans 8, 23. Not only the creation, but we ourselves, 
who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. We have the promise, we have the paperwork, we want the fullness. We want to come into our eternal home when all of the consequences of brokenness are done, they're gone, they're just history. We're longing for that. The day when our bodies won't break down anymore because of age or pain or, or sickness. The day when he will wipe every tear from our eyes and heal all of our hurts. The day when he will welcome us into the eternal home where we will have the eternal family feast, eternal joy and, and life and love and communion. What does the Lord Jesus say in John 14, 2? We read the chapter. In my Father's house are many rooms. I go, prepare, I go to prepare a place for you, and I will come again to take you to myself. The Lord Jesus isn't sitting there in heaven doing nothing. The Lord Jesus is getting your room ready. Every saint gets their own room. Isn't it, isn't it neat, kids? I think a lot of us as kids... Uh, we have to share room. But there's room for everyone in the kingdom of God. The Lord Jesus is preparing a, a place for each one of us in the mansions, the heavenly mansions, the celestial palace of the King of Kings. He's busy. He's getting things ready for you to come home. And the day is coming closer every day. Every week we're a little closer. Every year we're closer. The day... And we will be home with all the family of God. And all the pain of this world will just be a distant memory. Now, who gets to enjoy this? To whom does God offer such blessings? Does he offer it to really smart people? No. Is it the intelligent people that choose this? Often no. Does he offer it to the rich or to the poor? Does he offer it to one ethnicity or another ethnicity? No. This good news is for all sinners who confess their sins, who repent from their sins, and who believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. When I believe in God the Son, Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son, then I may know for sure that this is my right to be considered a child of God, a son or a daughter of the living God. When I turn away from my sins, when I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, then I am welcomed into the home of the family of God. And I experience it now amongst the people of God. And it will just get better and better until the day when I experience it in its perfection. Now, every Sunday, God is speaking to us. Every Sunday, every sermon, every Bible reading, every sacrament, the Spirit of the Son of God is pouring love and grace and truth into our hearts. He's working faith in our hearts and the hearts of our children, and He's strengthening our faith, and He's reminding us of who we are. We're not slaves to sin anymore. That's where all the brokenness comes from, but that's not who we are anymore. We 
our children of God. Why? Because we're so good? Because we deserved it? No, because he's good and because he's loving and because he loves to forgive sinners. And so that's what we confess in the creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only begotten son. And because I believe in him, I know that I am welcome home by the Father. Amen.